Welcome, and thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com. And now for the message from Pastor Nathan Lang. Acts chapter number 14 with me, if you would, and I'm looking forward to the message. And um, this is not originally what I was going to preach this morning, but the Lord changed my my direction, and I, I just trust Him. And I don't do that very often, but occasionally he'll say, "That's you know, I need you to preach this. And, uh, and so that's what I do. And so um, I want you to stay, uh, you know, uh, atten- pay attention this morning and don't sleep on me. You know, um, I remember years ago I said, huh, I said, you know, it used to bother me when people would sleep when I preached. But then I got to thinking, you know, those people who sleep when I preach, trust me. And... Um, and so uh, it's, it's those of you who, le- you know, leer at me and, you know, stare through me with your eyes that you're the ones who I worry about now. And, uh, but uh, I heard one preacher say, I don't put people to sleep during my messages. I motivate them to think with their eyes closed. And, uh, and so I thought that's pretty good. I'm motivating them to sleep, with, to think with their eyes closed. Uh, but uh, Acts chapter 14, uh, the reality is there's going to be different things this year uh, that are going to get you down. There will. Uh, you know, some of you have already gone through it in January. We've gone through one twelfth of it and uh, of the year, and, and I know some of you have had some some turns that you weren't expecting. Some things happened in your life that uh, that happened, and and here's the thing: I don't wish this on anybody, but throughout the course of the rest of this year, uh, you may find something that knocks you down. Uh, and, and it may, listen, it may not just be something knocked you down. It might be you got knocked down, you got pushed down, um, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I want to preach to you this morning on the subject, the day Paul got back up. The day Paul got back up. And here's the deal. If you do face this this year or you are facing this this year, I don't want you to stay down. I don't want you to stay discouraged. I don't, I don't want you to stay depressed. I, I don't want you to stay in that state of bitterness, of anger, of I can't do this anymore and I quit. And I've, I've heard a lot of that over 2019. I, I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit. Well, I'm in here to tell you in here today that you can't quit. Because Jesus loves you. You can't quit because God is still on the throne. You can't quit because Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. You can't quit because someone's depending on you. You can't quit because there's still a job to accomplish. And if God hasn't called you home yet, then listen to me now. You don't have the marching orders to quit on God. Let's look in verse number 1 of Acts chapter number 14. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake. That a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against who? Against the brethren. You know, can I say that that Satan is a foe that we have to deal with? But can I also say that I I hear a lot about how the devil is after the, the church? However, if I can say, don't underestimate the power of a disgruntled, stagnant Christian. They can dismantle a church quicker than any demon could. What I'm trying to say in here today is this. Don't get bitter at God because 2020 is not the way you thought it should go. Don't get bitter at someone else because things aren't going the way you thought they should go. Verse number three. Long time therefore abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which... 
gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derbe, cities of Iconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. So they got word that, hey, we're, we're going to get stoned. They're going to try to come after us. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to quit. We're not going to bunker down. Hey, we're going to go to the next place, and we're going to keep right on preaching. In verse number 8, and there sat a certain man in Lystra, uh, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, and who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. <clears throat> and when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, in the speech of Elisonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was a chief speaker. So here they are uh, in verse number 13. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people carrying out and saying, Sirs, uh, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in time times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heavens and fruitful seasons, filling the, our hearts and food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they should not, they should, excuse me, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium and persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came unto the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to, the, to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, uh, through much tribulation, enter and to the kingdom of God. Now, if you've been paying attention and you haven't been sleeping on me through this text, absolutely incredible how they come through uh, and they're preaching the gospel. They're doing what they've been called to do, which is give the gospel. Uh, and as they come through, they, uh, they, these people start setting them up as gods, calling them Jupiter and Mercurius and, and, and making them these gods. And, and, uh, and of course, he sees this man impotent from his, from his mother's womb and he says, stand up and walk. And, and that faith uh, is, is what did it realize it wasn't it wasn't some uh, spooky little abracadabra in your heel that's not what Paul did it was the Bible's clear that it was his faith that saved him that healed him Amen. can I say that there's no special formula prayer this one two three pray this prayer that saves us and gets us to heaven it's our faith that gets us to heaven Amen. and can I tell you in here today that it's not the amount of faith that gets you to heaven it's pure and simple faith, the object of your faith. What are you placing it in? That's what gets us to heaven. 
At the start of this chapter, Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey uh, of the New Testament church age. And while on this journey, Paul and Barnabas go to a city called Iconium. And it just explodes. The Bible says multitudes, both Jew and Greeks, turn to Christ. I mean, it's, it's, it's the perfect best case scenario. When they go in and they start preaching and most of the people start getting saved, they're listening to this and they're for it. And I tell you, there's nothing greater for a preacher to preach the gospel and to see it well received. And as most in the case, some religious people and in some case, Jews got upset when they, these missionaries came to town and started taking away their members and they created a lot of trouble for them. And these two gospel preaching missionaries had to flee town uh, for their own lives. I mean, it was to the point where they were grabbing up stones and they were, re- they were ready to take them out. I mean, could you imagine that? When we think of going on a mission trip uh, in, our, in our culture today, uh, can I say that I believe that there's a lot of uh, the, the mission trips today, are, a lot of them are not what they should be. Now, let me explain to you here, uh, because I'm seeing this is the, is the current trend. When I'm finding mission trips today in many people's eyesight is just a vacation time, and it's not an opportunity to go and help a missionary uh, who is struggling. It's not to go and preach the gospel. Uh, I see all these pictures, and I want to ask on Facebook all the time, look at me, and they're in front of all these beautiful sites and buildings and, and landmarks and all this stuff. And then I wonder, okay, who are you witnessing to while you're there? There should be some literature passed out. There, there should be, because uh, uh, here's the thing, uh, you know, excuse me here, if, if, if I'm, I'm not trying to offend anybody in here today, uh, but there's another trend that I'm seeing in these mission trips where they're taking groups of kids over and they're, they're, they're you know, painting over walls that have been spray painted and all this stuff. And, and they're spending all their time doing material things that absolutely mean nothing in eternity. Can I tell you, if we take a mission trip, which I would love to from our church, if we take a mission trip, we're not going to a mission trip so that we can spread, so we can paint over a bunch of graffiti and and, and build this stuff. Because you know what's going to happen one month after you leave? (laughs) That's going to be right back up there. Hey, we've got to keep our priorities straight is what I'm trying to say. And if I can say Paul and Barnabas had their priorities straight. Hey, 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 look, hey, look now. They're getting ready to stone us. We, We better tuck and roll. But you know what? They didn't go and hide. They didn't say, oh, you hurt my feelings. I quit. I quit, Jesus. They were going to hurt me. No, you know what they did? They said, hey, you know what? We can witness in that city just as much as we can here. So if things are getting too heated here, you know what we're going to do? Rather than getting stoned and murdered uh, and martyred, we're going to go to the next city and we're going to witness there. And you know what? We're going to make our way back. Don't worry. It's going to happen. So they go down to Lystra, and one of the first things that happens is Paul heals a crippled man. Uh, and Lystra, it happens to be a, a center of worship where they worship the planets. Hence, their new names, Jupiter and Mercury. And after Paul heals this man, <coughs> this group decide to give them these names of these, <laughs> in these cities. And just about that time, these people that got them ran out of town over in Tyconium, show up, and they let everyone know that they're troublemakers. They're not speaking good. One minute, they want to build statues for them, and the next, what happens in the next verse 20, and you read in verse 19, to keep in context, in verse 19 it says, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium and persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. 
Now, whether he died and came back to life, I'm not sure uh, that it matters. But this verse is sure. When everyone that is trying to kill you thinks you're dead, you're probably not in very good shape. (laughs) Are you with me? If everyone there walks away and said, all right, now he's done for. Now, 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 mind you, this isn't the first experience they've had with this. This was a common practice in their culture. They knew how to throw a rock. <clears throat> they, knew, uh, uh, they knew how to do these things. And so when they walked away, they were, they were supposing that they, they had taken care of what needed to be done. And then look in verse number 20. How be it, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Now, think about this for a minute. If you or I had been stoned to death and left beside the road, and when you came back to consciousness, going back into the city where I just got uh, supposedly murdered, uh, I can promise you that is not going to be first on my list. Hey, Barnabas, um, I got the feeling that they don't like us here. We might need to keep on moving on. But you know what? They had a mission they had a job to do. I'll tell you right now, these men were not easily moved. Okay, you threw a rocket. You, you realize what the difference was in Paul and Barnabas and the difference in, if I can say this respectfully, uh, many Christians today is that Paul and Barnabas were not viewing life in terms of this here and now. They were viewing life in terms of eternity. And can I say in here today, ladies and gentlemen, that if we don't start viewing what we're doing here in terms of eternity, all we're going to do is store up a bunch of stuff and a bunch of good feelings and a bunch of, hey, I accomplished this in my own abilities for the here and now. But the reality, you know, Joel Osteen's best life now. Here's the difference between him and me. He's preparing you for this life now. I'm trying to prepare you for eternity. Hey, because it goes beyond, it goes beyond the 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, whatever you have that God gives us here. Hey, the reality is there is something bigger than what is going on right here uh, in our little life at one given point. Hey, the reality is the importance is that we are getting the gospel out and we're going to do it under persecution. It's amazing to me, the missionaries who email us, some of them that we support, and they'll say, uh, now, you got to be careful, don't email us, and don't, don't send this over the internet waves, because it could cause some, some major problems for us where we're at. You know, as much as people want to complain in America, I'm pretty certain that you can send a gospel tract to anybody, and they're not going to get murdered or martyred for you sending them a gospel tract. Now, it might happen, but far and wide, that's not the case. <clears throat> you know what? We're blessed. You know, some verses that come to mind when I think about Paul and Barnabas is my life's verse, John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. You know, you, know, you know what he's saying in that verse? More of him and less of me. Isaiah 54.17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. I wonder, I wonder if these men were quoting these verses as they're getting back up and saying, Come on, hey, that hurt. I know it did. <clears throat> that stung. Okay, now let me apply it to to today. That person at work that that stabbed you in the back. That that, that brother or sister who no longer talks to you. 
That loved one who, who literally is just bitter and angry. That, that boss who's out to get you. All of these different things. Can I tell you, all of these things can turn into stones that if we're not careful, we're going to allow them to multiply. And before we know it, we're going to find ourselves stoned outside of Lystra. We're going to find ourselves on the ground, not knowing which way is up. We're going to find ourselves not wanting to keep on keeping on. And the reality is that life is bigger than me. You say, I just don't want to go on anymore. Hey, the reality is is life is bigger than me and I must carry on because there's people who need Jesus Philippians 121 for me to live is Christ and to die is gain you know, we went through the book of Ephesians and, and the book of Ephesians verse by verse on Wednesday nights and in the book of Ephesians you'll find that Paul, he literally says he says, God, if you take me home, okay but if you leave me here okay God, if you take me home, if you leave me here, hey, I may, I may want to come home. I may want to go to heaven. Uh, but the reality is I'm not going to stop living. I'm not going to stop serving you. I'm not going to stop going forward. I'm not going to stop my day to day. I'm going to keep on serving. I'm going to keep on going. Uh, uh, amazing the spirit that he had. <clears throat> Acts chapter 14 and verse 21 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city, and had taught many, they returned to Lystra and Tyconium and to Antioch. What? He went back to Lystra, Iconium? Look in verse 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Wait, 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 wait. We must? Did you get that? I've made mention several times over the years <coughs> that sometimes it's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard week. It's a hard month. It's a hard year. But let's be honest. Some people in this room thought about quitting last year. And some of you thought about quitting this year month this year one month into the year and when I say quitting uh, listen to me now church I'm not just saying you thought about quitting your job or you thought about quitting church I mean you thought about quitting it all if you know what I'm saying life can be hard life can be difficult <clears throat> what is it that has knocked you down and got you out of where God wants you to be is it sin is it sin? Is, the, is there some sin in your life that you got involved in uh, that just the reality is you, you, you have just clung to that sin more, that pet sin, that you've clung to that more than you have your love and desire to serve Jesus Christ? Is that the case? Have you lost a loved one and you just said, I can't go on? I can't go on. You know, I've sat at a lot of widows and widowers chairside and as they say, you know, I've been married for 50 years and 60 years. And listen to me now, uh, that, that, that is, for me, it's almost hard to fathom because I'm 34 years old. And for me to sit next to somebody's chair who has been married 15 years longer than I've even been alive and say, preacher, it's just too hard to go on. For Sometimes uh, I don't want to say that cliche, well, you have to anyway. But at the end of the day, if I can say where the rubber meets the road, you have to anyway. If God wanted you to go, he'd have taken you. 
You remember when you used to have a shout for the Lord and now you feel like everything you can uh, do is just come to church, much less so when and pray and read your Bible. But remember when you used to feel uh, that nothing could discourage you, nothing would get you down, uh, and no weapon that is formed against you would prosper. Uh, but then something happened in your life and something changed. And now you find yourself doubting, you doubting your situation, maybe even doubting your salvation and doubting what God has for you. Uh, once again, please, Christian, don't quit on God. Sometimes you got to go on to the next city and just keep right on preaching. Sometimes you got to get up and limp on. But hey, can I say, it's better to get up and limp on than to stay down and never accomplish anything else for Jesus Christ. Remember when you were the ones lifting everyone up, <clears throat> but now, now you need somebody to lift you up. Can I, can I say in here that there is an accountability in this room as Christian brothers and sisters in Christ that goes deep. There's a, hey, go, go home on your spare time and read 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Hey, listen, what I'm trying to say in here today is this, that sometimes people come in and they're having a hard time. It's not our job to stick our finger in their face and say, hey, well, you probably brought it on yourself. Here's the thing. Maybe they did, but that's not our place to beat them up with it. It's our job to try to encourage. Yeah, what happened to you? Oh, yeah, it's probably something you did. Okay, that's not going to help me. <laughs> that's not going to get me to where I need to go. You know what I need sometimes? The Bible says to weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. Sometimes uh, they need to be able to, you need to be there for them to let them know, hey, you're not alone in this fight. Hey, I've gone through the same things. You know, the Bible talks about uh, the older women teaching the younger children, the younger women. And I believe there's a lot to that because there's some obstacles that you faced in here, you amazing grace, that people my age and younger have not faced. And we don't realize what we're going to face, but you've been there and done that. You've got the bumper sticker. You've got the ticket stubs. You've got the battle wounds. Can I say that there's nothing like you sitting down with that young woman who just lost that baby or you sitting down with that young woman whose husband just left her and say, hey, uh, I can relate to you. Let me encourage you along the way instead of saying, yeah, it was probably something you did. You didn't have your house in order. You know, I've seen a lot of Christians do that through the years. And let me say that that absolutely does nothing for the kingdom of God. Can I say that whatever we do, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, by the way, uh, at the very tail end, the last two verses, if you'll see that, it's talking about dealing with sin in the church. We know that the Corinthian church was a carnal church. Amen? You agree with that? They're talking about, in, in those last 12, 12 and 13, it's saying, hey, if there is sin, and particularly fornication, but there's a list of things, idolatry and all these things, it's talking about you need to deal with them. Why do you need to deal with them uh, here? The, the, the idea of dealing with it is not so that we can hurt that person or rub it in their face that they did wrong. No, the whole idea of dealing with it is so that they can be restored. Do you know the Bible talks about God divorced Israel? Did you know that's in the scripture? And do you know that God divorced Israel is not an inroad for you to divorce? You know what that is for? It's for, uh, it, was, it was the same tactic that God was trying to bring them back to him. You see, in the Old Testament, if you did wrong, in this time period, if you did wrong, the church would administer what is called church discipline. And if you were doing something wrong, you were fornicating, all right, now we are, we are removing you from this place. And the whole idea is so that you will repent and get right and come back to the fold. It wasn't so we can bash you and beat you up. 
And the reality is in the Old Testament, if you got booted, so to speak, listen, you couldn't go down to the Second Baptist Church and the Third Baptist Church and the 165th Baptist Church all within a five-mile radius. You had to get right. Or you were ostracized from, 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 from the things of God. You know what's the problem in our culture today? If somebody does administer church discipline, in other words, saying, you know, you're sinning and you need to get this right. You know what they do? They go down to the next church. You know what the problem is? And I'm not even really here to preach on 1 Corinthians chapter 5 here today. But part of the problem is they thought that they were doing something great by showing all grace. Hey, we're being gracious to these people by not disciplining, by not doing it. Hey, we love them. No, if you love them, listen, the Bible talks about a righteous judgment. You know, one of the most famous verses in the Bible that people love to pull out, judge not that ye be not judged. Can I say that there needs to be grace, but there also needs to be truth? So what setback has got you looking up saying, I don't know if I can get back up today? What trouble did you get in? What finances? What, what, you know, I remember when I was, I remember when I was young, I was always very good with my money, but I, somehow there was a glitch and I, I had, I had wrote a check and I, I had the money, but it wasn't all in the bank. I didn't get it in the bank in time. And so I had a $35 overdraft charge from National City. And I thought to myself, what sense does it make? You see, I don't have the money. Why would you charge me $35 on top of it? Is anybody with me there? You know, I'm thankful I went in, I explained the situation. You know, that person showed me grace. And they waved that $35 fee. Praise the Lord. Can I say that we do need to show grace in the house of God? It's amazing to me how excited we get when someone gets saved and Boy, they're just a mess, and they, you know, they have all the attributes of, of you know, the hog pen lifestyle and dirty living and a life of sin, and we believe God can take a sinner and make them brand new uh, by God's grace, but what happens when God fixes them up and then they mess up? We need to be just as compassionate about restoration as we do about getting them booted out of here. And that's what I'm trying to say in here today. You know, maybe, maybe somebody's been hurt. God forbid somebody's been hurt by somebody in, in this church because they were just too harsh. They were just too harsh. You know, it's absolutely amazing how sometimes we try to help somebody. You ever try to help somebody, but you end up hurting them, not meaning to? Yeah. Can I say that that might have been the case with you? Please don't give up on God because somebody hurt you. Our church, last year we celebrated 10 years. Our church is comprised of probably 90% of people who have been hurt at another church by another pastor, by another church member, by another situation. Uh, uh, Probably 90% of our church is comprised of that. Seriously. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm so thankful that you didn't quit on God and just drop out of church. But you know, some have. Some have because they've been hurt so deep. They've been hurt to the core. While I'm on this subject, can I just say that Satan is a liar? One of the biggest lies he'll get you to believe is when something happens and you're out of church and he'll convince you that nobody down at the church cares about you. 
Hey, they don't, they don't love you. They don't care about you. Can I say that is the farthest thing from the truth? You know, you know what the reality is? We are all so busy in our lives that sometimes we don't notice. Maybe you've been through a divorce. If you've been through divorce in here this morning, listen to me, you're not a second-class citizen at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And God's not done with using you. By the way, <coughs> when divorce gets preached against, you know, those of you who have been divorced in this room, uh, hey, you're not a hypocrite for shouting amen when the preacher says, hey, you ought to make that thing work, you ought to do this. Hey, you're not a hypocrite by shouting amen. Hey, you've been the one who's been scarred the most by it. You know more about it than anybody. And you know what it can do to the kids and to the family. Think about the woman at the well. Jesus said that, Woman had been divorced and remarried five times and living with a man right now. You know, that woman has probably won more people to the Lord than a lot of Christians after they get saved. Do you know a prodigal? It's kind of hard sometimes to invite others when you feel like your kids aren't living right. Let me say that's a lie of the devil, though. Oh, it's kind of hard, preacher. Uh, my life's such a mess. I'm living in this sin. I've got this. I can't invite anybody. I can't do anything for God. Hey, and can I say that's straight out of the pits of hell? You can still, hey, the reality is before God, uh, can I say that we've all got hypocrisy in us, so to speak? Hey, none of us, uh, uh, none of us in here uh, walk around uh, perfectly. Now, before God, we do. But the reality is God wants to use you. He's not, he's not looking around trying to say, all right, now I just want to bench everybody in here today. It's not God's plan. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine who had a, a, a prodigal. <clears throat> he said, my wife and I used to pride ourselves of having godly kids. And he said, but I'm humbled now. It's by God's grace. I remember talking to a friend of mine who has several kids who are pastors and serving pastors, wives serving in the ministry. I remember asking him, I said, I said, how did you do it? How did you get all your kids serving God? He said, it's by God's grace. He said, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Can I say, we need to have meekness to those who are hurting. Maybe you've been knocked down and physically and maybe emotionally. <clears throat> what see, a lot of people don't see and and and. You don't have to agree with me on this, but my, my mother, her first marriage, he was a very abusive man. I mean, beat her black and blue and verbally, emotionally abused her. And she went to the doctor literally to the point where he had hit her so hard she was in the hospital. <clears throat> and the doctors were talking about her emotional state and they said that you don't have to be beat up to be messed up so to speak you can have a verbal abuse you can have an emotional abuse by your spouse hey just because you're not hitting that person doesn't mean you're still not abusing that person be careful be careful can I say this to you in here this morning and I'm not going to be too much longer whatever you're going through right now you can get back up like Paul you can get back up. If Paul got stoned and got back up in Lystra, uh, can I say it's not, it's not a matter of how physically beat down I am, but a matter of, hey, I've got faith that God's going to bring me through it. 
In Acts chapter 14 and verse 20, it says, Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Can I say that you can get back up because you have other Christians around you uh, who want you to succeed? Now, listen, and, uh, I preached a message years ago called, uh, entitled, There's Always One in Every Crowd. And I was talking about Judas in the Bible. One out of 12. There's always one in every crowd. Can I say that you can take a room full of Christians and just because uh, it's a room full of Christians doesn't mean there's not going to be that one in there who's going to be that negative person, who's going to be that deceiver, who's going to be that, that person who's going to kiss you on the cheek and then deceive you. Uh, hey, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have that in your life, but here's the deal. Uh, you know, if you do have that in your life, you do have that deceitful person, you do have that person who's trying to ruin you and destroy you. Can I say just get back up? Just get back up. You know what we do? <clears throat> Sometimes we fail to balance the good and the bad. I promise you, no matter what you're going through right now, look up, look up here, look up here. I promise you, there is more good going to you in your favor in any given time than there is bad. If you have Jesus Christ. He's not out to get you. He's not out to hurt you. He's for you. But sometimes things happen in life that aren't pleasant. Sometimes some unfortunate events happen. Uh, but here's the thing. We can allow uh, ourselves to be blinded of everything that God's doing. The fact that we're saved. The fact that we have eternal security. The fact that we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The fact that we've got the promises of the Word of God. The fact that God's doing so much for us at any given point, And we take all of that and we kind of push that aside. And we focus on that one negative that happened to us this day. And that one negative, isn't it amazing how that one negative can completely transform our countenance and completely change our week over that one bad thing, even though we've got this whole bushel full of things that God is doing for us this very instant. Okay, so we got stones, big deal. Bigger mission on our plate than that. Is that, is that what it's going to take to stop us? Absolutely not. Hey, can I ask you, what is it going to take to stop you? And I hope that you can't name anything because God is on your side. Amen. <clears throat> you know, Christians, just as much as there is a, 1 Corinthians 5, there is a, a judging part that comes within the body of Christ. He talks about not judging that, that, the, the lost world outside of the church because God's going to deal with that. He says that, verse 12, 13. But can I say that we need to be awake, alert, that if we do see a brother and sister struggling, they come in with their countenance off. I don't mean everybody swarmed to them and, and overwhelmed them. What I'm saying is maybe uh, let them know that you're praying for them. Let them know that you're there to be an encouragement for them. Hey, uh, all of our job doesn't need to be, okay, we're picking your sin and we're dealing with it right now. Maybe you need to sit down and pray with somebody yes. instead of picking them apart. Amen. <clears throat> we can kind of look around and Think, man, everybody else has it better than I do. That's not the case. That's not the case. I can look around this room, and because I'm the pastor, I know more than your average person. I promise you that somebody does have it worse off right now than you do. Amen. I'm the only one hurting, preacher. I'm the only one going through this. I guarantee you there's other people who can relate to you. The Bible says that he went back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch and Derbe 
Paul said there's a job to do. And yes, we're weary. Yes, we're wounded. But we can't quit. Can't quit. Sure, we get tired. Sure, we get worn out. Sure, we've been keeping on to finish the job. And it seems like uh, you're the only one. And it seems like no one else is helping. And it seems like all, uh, all the forces are out to get you. Just get back up and keep right on going. You know, when I stand before God, I, uh, <coughs> I, I don't know that any of us are going to stand before God and say, yep, well, I really took care of business down there. I'll take all my crowns now. I, I, I really don't think any of us are going to have that spirit. I hope you don't have that spirit. And I say that on the day of judgment, no one will be able to claim election or predestination as the reason why they didn't come to Christ. All are invited. When we stand before him, there's not all these excuses. No, there's, there's not going to be this rebuttal of, well, uh, you know, I, I didn't have this and this wasn't to my favor. And, you know, I didn't have enough money and I didn't have the Hey, you know what? These men who serve God uh, in the Bible, they didn't all have money. They didn't all have all the resources. They didn't all have, if you think you just have this one more thing, then it's all going to be better. No, just serve Christ where you are with what you've got. With what you've got. Well, as soon as I get this straightened up, preacher, I'll, I'll, I'll get in the game. No, 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 you do it right now. Do you know why? Because something is always going to come back up. Always. He said in verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Remember that it is those opposing Satan getting the fire. And I would rather get beat up a little than to be viewed as an ally of Satan. These men didn't just suddenly wake up and say, you know what? I think we'll just go ahead and keep on going. You know, we got nothing else to do. I believe it was rooted in here. Hey, hey Barnabas, it's all or nothing. Let's go. It was a mission. It was a goal. Maybe in here you don't have direction in your life. Maybe you don't have goals for your life. Can I encourage you to set your goals for the kingdom of God and not on your own? Paul and Silas. <laughs> they have that song. I'm thankful, Lord, I'm thankful. Every night, my wife sings that song to my son Silas every night. Because in that song, it's, it has the lyrics, like Paul and Silas under the jail. I'm thankful. And so he loves his names in that song. Every night, he will not, he is the most persistent little guy I have ever met. He will not go to sleep if she does not sing him that song. It's not just a song I want my family to get. The faith. The faith. I don't want my kids to turn 18 and leave the church because they just went to church. It wasn't a part of their life. I want it to be more than that. <clears throat> Something just might happen 
Oh, preacher, hey, don't be all, as, uh, as they say, superstitious. You're wishing something. No, I'm not wishing anything to happen. But what's going to happen? Your car breaks down this afternoon. Is life over? Just a car. Just a car. You get that unexpected bill. Hey, I've got, how many of you gotten those unexpected uh, medical bills in the mail? Oh, man, I hate those. I have insurance, and I, I had a kidney stone, and a month later, there they went. B North sent me, a, sent me one in the mail. They, they, they detailed everything. They charged me for every little thing. I mean, they charged me for using a tissue. And my thing is, if you're charging me for the tissue box, I want the box. I asked one. I was in urgent care one time. I said, are you charging me for, that, for using these tissues? She said, yep. I said, give me that box. Put it in my bag. I'm taking it. I bought it. I'm keeping it. I'm going to get a bill for $20,000. I want my tissue box. You know what? At the end of the day, and I realize we've got to be stewards, at the end of the day, that, that medical bill, it's money. Don't let it ruin your year. That job you, don't, you didn't like it anyway, hey, praise God, he relieved you of it. Go find another one. It's okay. It's okay. Your husband, you don't like him, you're stuck with him, okay? <laughs> don't even think about it. Amen. <laughs> Some of you men have to shout that. Because there, there is no, no earthly reason why that woman is stuck by your side all these years. Amen. Besides God's grace. I think sometimes Brother Damascus and I have talked about this. Uh, it's been a long time ago. But I think sometimes we can, we can portray as Christians that there are no problems sometimes. Get saved. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. And it is to have eternal salvation. But it doesn't mean that there's not going to be, must be tribulation in there somewhere. Hey, there's going to be hurts. That's, it's a part of life. It's a part of it. Was getting stoned on Paul and Barnabas' list that day? Probably not. They woke up, said, Lord, you gave us another chance. Let's go. Let's go. You've got another chance at your health. You've got another chance at a job. You've got another chance at marriage. You've got another chance at whatever the case may be in your life. Don't, don't waste it. Life is a gift. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed in here today. I've got a wife that loves me. I've got children. I've got a church. I've got friends. I've got a job. I've got all these different things. God, I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me. Life's pretty good. Life's pretty good. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com.